video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you Hello, want to watch it. my name's Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. Oh, why can't I say my own name? Mark Hansen. Oh, I forgot how this uh, format is supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording so early in the morning, 9.20 a.m. As opposed to 10 a.m. Yeah, way different. And... As per usual, we go through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs, and right from the get-go, it's Flesh for Frankenstein. We've joked about it. It's finally here from Vinegar Syndrome. It's here. Well, big announcement right off the top is we at the store are now an authorized seller of Vinegar Syndrome product, like official Vinegar Syndrome product, like with slip covers. You know how many times we've complained on this podcast about the fact that we don't get the Vinegar Syndrome releases with the slip covers or any of the fancy packaging or their exclusives. And they listened. And by that, I mean Mark just finally emailed somebody else who got back I to I finally, him. yeah, I got in touch with some really cool guys over at Vinegar Syndrome. And they wanted to know if we wanted to order direct from them. Uh, they've got a new, like, sort of, I guess, wholesale thing going for certain stores. So, in other words... They just set up a new system and they're like, we need people to participate. Well, in I it. feel like they've had it going for a while because while their market is definitely just selling like direct to customers, which I totally respect and can appreciate, they have worked with smaller stores. Like I follow a few stores in the States on Instagram that definitely get their exclusive releases. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were like, what the hell? Why not so us? I was like, and yeah, I've been working on it with some people over there, but you know, they're all real busy over there. So I just couldn't get anything going. But it finally happened, and we're finally starting to get these exclusives in. We get them like as soon as they become available uh, on Vinegar Syndrome site too. So usually there was like a delay of a month or two before we could even get these releases. Um, we get all their VSAs now, which we were getting a bit in the past, but it kind of tailored off. And we're getting all the fancy packaging like Flesh for Frankenstein, which comes in a tricked out fleshy looking box it does not have soft fleshy like evil dead style cover i know and you know when I, they first announced it and i saw the packaging i was hoping it was gonna feel more fleshy unfortunately it just kind of feels like a box but i love the look of this set and yeah we've you know we mentioned this before when blood for dracula came out you know several months ago this is, you know, my preferred one out of those two, and this is just a ton of fun. It has tons of special features, like we mentioned, it's a three-disc set, it has the movie, it has the movie in 3D, red and blue, the way it was meant to be seen. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like that. I, I thought at first that it was going to be like four 3D TVs or it something. It does have one but... for 3D TVs as well. To which I say, who owns a 3D TV these days? Well, you know what? We still, I mean, not many studios release stuff for 3D anymore. Kino yeah, does a few. Yeah, because they don't make 3D TVs Exactly, anymore. right? And Warner Brothers, I know, still does a few for their bigger movies, but... I don't know. I don't know. We still sell them when they do come in. So there are people. I know there. one guy and he used to come to Bay Street Video, John, who had a 3D TV and he loved his 3D TV. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, I think the people who had them really like them. It was a real fun. Some of us don't have eyes for it. So no one gets to watch them. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, we have TC2000 and Tiger Claws 1 and 3. These two Vinegar Syndrome releases have been packaged together and the Vinegar Archive releases. Well, they're actually separate. No, yes. But in this list, they've been packaged together. Oh, okay. The reason that it's Jahal Mary. Toronto's own action auteur uh, produced these films and stars yeah. in them. Um, and these are two uh, Vinegar Syndrome's archive line that they put out recently. And yeah, I mean, I feel like you're pretty familiar with these. I've seen TC2000 uh, and I bought their release from them when it came out, uh, which is a lot of fun. Lots of running through hallways. Lots of running through hallways. Uh, definitely a little more boring than I remember it being when I was younger. But, you know. It suffers from the fact that it doesn't have enough explosions, which uh, Expect the Unexpected, another Jahal Mary film, does have. But if you're ever going to watch the films, this is the best way to watch them. I mean, Tiger Claws 1 to 3 is bananas. It just gets crazier and crazier. It features, like, fantastical elements by the end. They're looking at a weird tournament to rip off Mortal Kombat. Bolo Young is there. Cynthia Rothrock is there as well. And while it may not be the crispest fighting, they give it their all. And there's a fight every five minutes. See, that's all I want from these kind of things. Just give it their and all. And Billy Blanks appears on one of the most difficult to listen to audio commentaries I've stumbled upon in a long time on the TC2000 disc. Yeah, he sounds like he's in the other room recording. <laughs> 
Billy Blanks, I gotta say, is not a very charismatic actor. You know, How I thought dare he you. was so enthusiastic in those Tybo commercials when we were growing up, but uh, you know, watching him in TC two thousand, it's like, wow, he is really just a piece of wood. No, you know? I disagree. I love the really? man. You like him, eh? He okay. appears in that Karate Kid ripoff that MVD put out, and he's delightful in that film. Billy Blanks is one of those guys who's not an actor, and so all of his line readings are very odd. Odd is the right thing to say. TC two thousand. He's supposed to be like a cool guy. Doesn't really work in it. But if you watch him in a movie like, what is the one with Rowdy Rowdy Piper? Back in Action. He's great in that movie. Oh, Back in Action. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That one's better. Are they going to put that out? When's that coming down the pipeline? I wonder who owns the rights to that. Because that feels like an easy go-to. Because that movie's delightful. There's been a weird lack of Roddy Roddy Piper action films coming out on Blu-ray. Like, he did a whole bunch. Like, he has that one with Sony Chiba. He has two with Billy Blanks. And just nowhere to be seen. Interesting. And yeah, I feel like Vinegar Syndrome, that would be right up their alley. If they can get the rights to these things. I mean, things. Vinegar Syndrome is gobbling up everything. So, like, Yeah, they're really paving the way for like more just CanCon tax shelter kind of content. Mm-hmm. So speaking of CanCon, next up we have the Ernie game from Canadian International Pictures. Which is another partner label. A new-ish partner label? Is this their first release? Yes, they are part of... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Is it Altered Innocence? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Are they an offshoot of them? I didn't realize. I know they're all Vinegar Syndrome partner labels. Yes, I believe like someone in charge. That's great. And they're doing Canadian films, which I go, yay. But then I look at the Ernie game and I go, but this is already out. It was on the NFP website in a scanned version for the last five years. They didn't add any special features to it. It's just the short films you could also watch on the NFP website. Uh, And yeah, I watched this on the NFP website and it looks great. It looks pristine on there. Um, Oh yeah, it looks delightful. I mean, I bought this Blu-ray as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely why, something... Why, why is this the way they went for the first release? Like, what? No, you'd think this would be something they'd want to, like, stock full of special features, but... I don't know. What do you think it is? Just a, They just couldn't get anybody to They could comment. easily get... I'm oh, right they, here! I, if you I, want I, me to talk about it! I know. Back to this issue again. Like, would they rather just would put out an, issue, an edition that has nothing on it than... Well, and they got a booklet written by the guy who wrote the don owens book so did he not want to do a commentary or even just like you know context about his career like how are people supposed to know the fact that you know his film nobody waves goodbye was like the first really big successful fictional film like why does don owen matter why does this matter and that's the like, thing well, i yeah, want that context i know that's exactly the kind of thing i crave on releases like this some context uh um, could it be an nfb thing and they're like listen don't do anything new Unless we agree to it. Yeah, are they like, you can put out the movie, but that's it? Like, nothing else? That's such a bummer, though. And I looked at their, they, like, released, announced some other movies. They're all NFB films. So they clearly made a deal with NFB. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So they got more things coming down the pipe. There's another Canadian, uh, you know, uh, sub-label starting by a little boutique. So keep an eye peeled on Gold Ninja Video. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Did I do special features with the director of Skip Tracer? Wink, wink, wink. Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, because you go all out. You go the extra mile for fans. That's why That's why I appreciate it. I mean, on the a Blu-ray of Skip Tracer, he even gave me a movie that he never released on VHS that I get to throw on the <laughs> Blu-ray. So look forward to that. So are you a fan of the Ernie game, then? Oh, I love what, the Ernie game. You... It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's out there and people can watch it. But like, yeah, man, when I saw when they announced it, I was like, all right, what do you get? What do you bring to the table? It's like nothing. I'm like, okay. Well, you know what? They, they've got a real nice looking slip cover. <laughs> yeah, they do. But <laughs> if you want people to care about this kind of Canadian cinema, you got to give them a reason to care. Exactly. Like you got Leonard Cohen in here, too. Like this is chock full of Canadianness that could be discussed talked about but again it's, it's like on the nfb website i don't understand like <laughs> i i know i, I mean know. maybe because it was very inexpensive like you don't have to pay for a new scan you don't got to do anything that's true maybe it was just like an easy release for them to do but and you know what we're still selling a bunch of these so yeah i made a point of bringing these in because you know i want to highlight canadian film as much as possible around the store and yeah i mean i think a lot of our our older customers might just not be aware of how to watch things online especially through like the nfb site even though you know for you and me it's a click of a button but you tell some of our customers that and they just have no idea so i think it is appealing to maybe an older generation of canadian all right so moving on we have lipstick from shout what's this i don't know this movie oh really eh? so this i feel like this movie never gets enough love it's a 70 film from 1976 with margot hemingway 
and Chris Sarandon and Margot Hemingway plays a fashion model who basically seeks justice after being raped by her teenage sister's music teacher who is played by Chris Sarandon in a supremely creepy but typical kind of Chris Sarandon performance. I know. What have I done? What have <laughs> I yeah, done? Yeah, there you go. How could I? Yeah, I'm doing A Nightmare Before Christmas, which Chris Sarandon sings, even though Danny Elfman sounds exactly... No, wait. He doesn't sing A Nightmare Before Christmas. Danny Elfman does. <laughs> even though Danny Elfman's voice is exactly like Chris Sarandon's, but Tim Burton was like, nah, we want a star to do the voice, like Chris Sarandon. And you're like, what? Yeah. Well, Chris Sarandon is hella creepy in this movie um and this movie has always been fascinating to me because it is kind of on the surface seems like a rape revenge type movie but this was like a mainstream hollywood release that paramount put out it's a lot more complex and layered than that and it go- it kind of shifts between like realistic a realistic sort of dramatic portrayal of this sort of event and also leans into sort of exploitative genre stuff, especially as it goes towards the end. And it kind of culminates in like a crazy over-the-top courtroom scene. in, And then finally in like an outrageous sort of like final act of revenge from the lead character, which I won't really spoil here. But uh, this is an excellent film. And I think maybe upon its first release, it didn't get that well received by critics but it's definitely built up a cult following over the years and it's just never been available past like the initial kind of crappy looking dvd from paramount but now show factory has jumped on this and put it out so i'm hoping this movie gets a lot more love because it is quite quite good and due for especially in this day and age due for uh, reconsideration so take everything that mark just said and apply it now to the other show factory release nothing but trouble <laughs> due for reconsider- exactly. Which, reconsideration quite quite good <laughs> layered quite quite good yeah and we m- must say this has been a long time coming to bay street video this release since it was supposed to come out what when did you pick up your coffee like two months ago yeah three months ago and that was late already that it, it wasn't coming this is part of our you know shout hold up but we finally got nothing but trouble and <laughs> shout hold up put your hands up and you get Give us all their Blu-rays. I love this movie, though, even though I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So maybe I wouldn't love it as much now, but I need to go back. And... Dick face Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I just remember my parents renting this for me and for some friends. You like Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah. You like the Ghostbusters. I don't know. I feel kind of whatever about Dan Aykroyd. I was never a big, like, Blues Brothers fan or anything. And What about Crystal Head Vodka? It's one of the most economic, uh, strong things in Canada. Don't you love aliens and stuff? Dan Aykroyd loves aliens. Dan Aykroyd, just everything I've heard about Dan Aykroyd is that he's kind of a prick. I don't know. Yeah. And also kind of like a drunk, maybe. I, I don't know. I've... Oh, yeah. He's absolutely <laughs> a drunk. That is very... Uh, uh, I mean, he seems fine. Well-known knowledge. Mean, he's never been a guy that's really... Except, you know, I got to admire the guy for nothing but trouble. This is just such a bizarro... Is this the only yes, thing? Yes. One and done. He said everything he had to say. You know, this is like the exact kind of thing I want from like a one and done passion project from like a major actor, you know? Um, I don't know. I just remember I have fond memories of my parents renting this for me and a group of friends when we were really young. And I think they just rented it because you had all these like, you know, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy all on the cover. Like, all right. And this movie just scaring the shit out of me and my friends. And it's definitely scarred me for many years after that. But uh, I can never get it in my head. And I don't know. I appreciate the ambition here, even if it maybe doesn't totally work i guess you've watched it recently so it doesn't doesn't hold up at oh all, well it's exactly what it is a uh, 90 minute nightmare featuring the digital underground with tupac <laughs> i mean everything you're saying is a huge selling point for somebody like me oh you'll love this movie there's giant baby men uh, yeah this is all vaguely coming back to me um, there's like a, a giant a machine called the bo- i always forget the bone stripper that like eats people <laughs> that you throw into it of course of course it ends with chevy chase running out of a room and leaving a um you know bugs bunny style kind of like shape in the wall that he crashes through (laughs) right right and this is a special edition they interview dan Aykroyd. they interview chevy chase there's a commentary on it that's crazy to me because i thought for sure when this first got announced that there was going to be nothing i mean i'm glad that they went that extra i mean i think 
we might start to see nothing but trouble have a bit of a a cult a following cult revival. You know, it's be it's playing in a theater rep theater here in the city pretty soon. It's not you know? particularly funny, but it's kind I know of like it's not. I know that's, but I think that's maybe why I have such fondness for it. Like it's got that good anti comedy sort of spirit, maybe right? No, maybe not intentionally. Oh, it definitely but... has anti comedy spirit. Absolutely. All right, so moving on, we have a release of Blank Generation from Dark Forces. And wait, which Blank Generation is this again? So yes, this is not this is not the Amos Poe concert film sort of thing that we talked about. I think back when we were talking about oh, Amos Poe. Oh, this po, is the one by Uli Lamel, which is similar type of thing. It still like looks at the '80s no wave punk scene and stars Richard Hell from uh, who's obviously a big part of that scene. Uh, the lead, the front man of Richard Hell and the Voyage. Yeah, this one is not a documentary. That's what you need to know. Even though it comes off kind of like a documentary just because it is such a time capsule of like dirty 1980s new york but you know you look at it and you think it's going to be like really grungy or something or like those amos poe films we were talking about before like super 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 low budget and this is definitely low budget but it's got a lot of talent behind the camera in that uh, ed lockman shoots this who's of course the cinematographer who went on to shoot stuff for todd haynes and steven soderbergh a bunch of people Elliot Goldenthal does the music. He became a huge composer. And of course, Uli Lamel, who, you know, love him or hate him, but he definitely had a a following from his Fassbender years, um, even though... Did he have a following? I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I mean, well, this movie's also legendary for the fact that Richard Hell and Uli Lamel hated each other while they were making this, and Richard Hell has never stopped talking about how terrible of a filmmaker he thinks Uli Lamel is. Um, so, you know, and there's an interview, like the DVD I have on it has like a 45 interview, inter- minute interview with Richard Hell where he basically just talks about like... Yeah, he still, like, looks back fondly on certain aspects, but mostly he just, like, hates Uli LaMau and hates this movie. So That interview is sadly not on this Blu-ray. It's not, which is weird. Is this, uh, I think this is a fairly bare-bones affair, unfortunately, which sucks because, yeah, the DVD that MVD put out, God, years and years ago now, which looks okay. I mean, I definitely think the picture is probably cleaned up a bit on the new blu-ray but i mean it doesn't look bad on the dvd and it yeah it has that interview when are they going to put out uli lamel's 1984 musical strangers in paradise i want them they need to put out a bunch of uli lamel stuff have you seen frankly. strangers in paradise it's like a rocky one. horror ripoff where it's like a german scientist um is like unthawed and then he wants to get rid of a suburban community of homosexuals free thinkers and other radicals and it's like a bunch of like real sloppy like electro dance and music numbers but you know some you know, songs I, slap got, those. I have a soft spot for uli lamel i mean i i'm not uh like a rat i haven't seen enough to call myself like a rabid fan or anything but what i've s- oh whoa is a tony curtis film he directed called brainwave he's got such a bizarre filmography and then of course it ended up in like the 2000s where he was directing like asylum-esque like serial killer ripoff movies um i don't know he's just got a fascinating career to me and his early stuff is a lot of his early stuff was put out on dvd in like the very early days of dvd by like anchor bay and companies like that and then just went promptly anchor syndrome did olivia one of his movies and Arrow did The Tenderness of the Wolves. Yeah, so those two... And Tenderness of the Wolves actually is the movie that Richard Hell cited as the reason he allowed or wanted to work with Uli Lamel for this film. But then afterwards, he was just like, oh, the only reason Tenderness of the Wolves is good is because of Fassbender. So... <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he's great. I wish they would release more Lamel stuff. And for as much as... I don't know. Richard Hell hates this movie and a lot of people don't seem to like it that much. I, I really like Blank Generation just as like a time capsule. It's really cool to me. And you got like funky moments like Andy Warhol just showing up for like a two minute interview where he basically says nothing um, and just a bunch of weird things. The other funny thing about this is that Uli Lamel cast himself in this movie at about like the midway point because he was getting jealous that Richard Hell was maybe going to like steal all the women in the movie from him, one of whom was his Lamel's actual partner at this time. So, there's just like it's a fascinating exercise and just like kind of ego dick swinging between two like sort of radical artists in the uh late 70s early 80s, but 
yeah, I really dig this movie. Uh, it's unfortunate that the Blu-ray doesn't have much on it or anything. But if you've never seen this movie, it also looks pretty good. And I would say maybe the Blu-ray upgrade is worth it because you get some really nice cinematography here. And it's a pretty well, like, professionally put together production, more so than you might think for something like this. We have a new label on the docket, uh, Vertigo, which is spelled D-U-G-O. So it's like, I don't feel so good. (laughs) I don't feel so good. I feel like, oh, Vertigo. And it's this week's Blind by Ghost Rider. And this is very uh, exciting because this is the first promo copy of a Blu-ray that I have received. Well, why are you telling them this, Mark? Especially the way this is going to go. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, ever since we started this podcast, I feel like, you know, every once in a while we talk about companies sending us, you know, press copies of I've stuff. I've never gotten a promo copy from Vertigo. I know. Y- you definitely deserve to get something like this more than I do. But um, Thank you, Film Detective. My only uh, promo copy sending company at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get your copies here and there. But yeah, finally I was, you know, sent in I guess I was on some email list somewhere back in January. I got sent an email asking me if I wanted a press copy of this Ghost Riders movie, which I had already ordered because it was coming out at the store. I'm like, sure, I don't really know anything about this film. Why not? Let's give it a spin. Wow, look at this poster. There's like skeleton guys walking down. Yeah. So yeah, this is not Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. This is Ghost Riders. From 1987, I believe. Co-directed by one of the guys who made Action USA, a favorite of Mark's. Exactly. And that's actually where this company, Vertigo, first, where I first saw their name, is they were involved in the kind of re-release of Action USA. And then the, I guess, once Vinegar Syndrome did their edition, they were involved, I guess, in the MVD release of it as well so that's where vertigo comes from such bananas do we need two blu-ray releases of action usa i don't i mean people love it i like it i know you're not well i i think it's fine three and a half stars three and a half stars i I had a good time with it and you know what it keeps selling the mvd edition so i think it's just you know it's got that title action usa that's just a blind buy kind of and i mean this title ghost riders what does it promise well well if you think that it's easy top looking guys getting shot do you think you're gonna see anything like the what the poster shows you're gonna be sorely disappointed but if you're excited for just people talking this has got a lot of it yeah and then some like real kind of low budget subpar western shootouts uh, there's lots of squibs like sam peckinpah style there squibs. is yep um look this movie's not very good guys yeah look this movie like we're <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to be as nice about this as possible because you know you know free press copy i thank you very much vertigo mm-hmm. great blu-ray release there's a commentary looks good two making ofs um so i appreciate all that there's a lot of behind the scenes context which is what i want I did not have as much fun with this as I did with something like Action USA, though, unfortunately. Oh, my God, no. It just is just boring, right? It's just boring, is what we're going to say. Yeah, there's some people that get shot. That's fine. No skeleton men. Like, what the hell? Yeah, you know, it starts off. I was with it for, like, the first half hour or so. You know, it starts off in the 1880s where these, like, you see this, like, evil posse. They get hung in this town and everything. And they're like, oh, our spirits are going to come back and haunt you or something like that. And then it flash forwards the present where you get, like, a bunch of people in, like, this modern day area. And a lot of the descendants of the people that hung this gang and the gang comes back and you're like, oh, I'm ready for this ghost skeleton gang to come back. But then they come back and they're just a bunch of pasty actors in bad Western costumes. Yeah, it's easy top looking fellows. I don't know. It just got more and more boring from there and i was just like really having a hard time staying focused in the last like half hour and at the end they do the worst sin of all they promise to explode a house and then they don't i know they don't do it they're like we're gonna blow up this house i'm just gonna run out and do it and then they run out they get to go to blow it up and then they just shoot the guy the end and you're like wait a minute what i know and on the back cover they have that image of like the actress um with like the shotgun sort of thing and like you're like oh yeah this is gonna be full of this kind of stuff but that's like the very last moment of the movie (laughs) the very last five minutes five minutes yes i don't know this this is not gonna be the i don't think the the cult hit that action usa was last year for this company no Um, there's no way 
I can't even see like the most hardcore fan of this stuff making a case for this being some sort of like undiscovered gem. I don't know. It's a classic case of just like a cover selling a mediocre film. So And it's not weird enough either. Like it's if it was like really weird or off-putting. Yeah. Um I like I mean I watched this a couple weeks ago now and I it's mostly like faded from memory at this point. So Running through the forest. That's what happens in the last 30 minutes. I wonder, you know, looking at Alan Stewart's filmography or whatever if they're going to put out more of this guys cuz he produced some stuff. When are we going to get Ghetto Blaster on uh on vertigo no i was thinking of uh what is it called a fall guy the josh stewart story that's what we need that is what we need about his stuntman brother and i have a feeling maybe josh wasn't involved in this movie like would it have better stunts if he was yeah no i get that fact because at least with action usa i mean if he is Let's pretend he isn't, because there's no real stunts in this film. No, because yeah, at least with Action USA, even if you're not that big a fan, you can't deny that like the stunt work is really impressive at times. Like <laughs> you keep saying, I'm not that big a fan. I gave it three and a half stars, Mark. What else do you want? I from don't me? know. Like I feel like when we talked about it, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I love Action USA, and you were like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> three and a half stars, good. Would recommend. You know, this is this is not nearly approaching three and a half stars uh i just slapped this on the list like five minutes ago vinegar syndrome finally given the 4k treatment to a movie everyone's been clamoring for dead heat dead heat you know i've never i've never actually seen this oh, movie. oh mark you gotta watch it a, a joe piscopo was making us laugh and he's all ripped in this movie <laughs> treat williams as a zombie man yeah, i like treat williams no this is just one that's i've never gotten to for whatever written reason. by shane black's brother oh really yeah, that i did not know yeah people really love this movie i know it's... directed by mark goldblatt uh famed editor of uh james cameron's films uh, i think he did commando he has like so many wild uh, nightbreed yeah, Commando, Rambo First Blood Part 2, uh, Enter the Ninja, Halloween 2, The Howling. Yeah, he's one of the most famous editors ever. And this is the only other film he directed other than The Punisher. The um, version like with... The Dolph Lundgren version? Dolph Lundgren, ah, yeah. I've seen that. Uh, and yeah, oh wow, he made these movies back-to-back, 1988-1999. Vincent Price is in this movie. There's a scene where they go to a butcher shop and the carcass of a cow comes to life. Wow, wow. I mean, it sounds great. Would recommend. Vinegar Syndrome uh, just put it out. Yeah, they've, you know tricked this edition out too so we've got you gotta buy a 4k though no blu-ray gotta buy 4k because of the blu-ray yeah i know but it's but you gotta pay that extra for that 4k you don't just get a blu-ray only edition you know compared to some of the 4ks we have it's not that expensive it's like 40 bucks so you know you can jack the price a little bit up i wonder how much a 4k disc costs to produce i wonder actually is it a lot i would say yes Nah, you know what? Probably like a dollar fifty or something like that. And there's a lot of a lot of there's data. Like an extra dollar fifty, you get to slap ten more bucks on well, it. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess you know that adds up all those dollar fifties here and there. What's the next slipcase thing? Smellow cases. I know, like, what right? do people want? I'm surprised they haven't brought that back. I mean, they brought back the smell cards for one of those John Waters releases, right? All right. So next up, oh man, we're still in vinegar syndrome. <laughs> yeah, who never scared More vinegar. Me. Hey, we got so much cool vinegar. Yeah, it's it's all vinegar syndrome because I'm just so excited about getting all these vinegar syndrome products. So it is the scary of 60 uh I barely say this title. The scary of 61st, the first film directed by one of the co-hosts of the Red Scare podcast. I'm sure one of Mark's uh, favorite Yeah, definitely podcast. my favorite podcast. Uh no, I've never yeah, oh, podcast, we both made the but, same joke. Uh yeah, Stasha Necrosova has made this film have you seen this movie i liked it yeah it's committed to the bit yeah i really like this movie i know it you know i this i feel like this movie was talked about a lot online about it whether it's good or bad or funny or scary or what i think this is pretty upfront about what it is though and it's just a really kind of like in your face satirical sort of like jeffrey epstein shitpost kind of movie which i really like i don't know it's got a spirit like i was saying talking about in our last episode about that movie assholes uh, i feel like there's a real transgressive spirit to this that kind of harkens back to sort of like some of the principles of cinema of transgression in new york in the 80s so i really admire this movie because of that i find it really refreshing when movies tackle like real life controversial issues like right away in like a really like the haunting of Sharon exactly well (laughs) I know what you mean so kind of like you know how Duck the Carbine High Massacre was like a 
right after Columbine, sort of like low budget, like in your face look at that from the perspective of like people closer in age to the sort of the age group affected. I feel like this is a similar sort of thing where it's just like a real like tawdry, like too soon kind of look at the Jeffrey Epstein thing and the conspiracy theories around it done in a way that is just like perfect satire for me and i don't know i really like this This is one of my favorite new movies from last year and vinegar syndrome really did a number on the packaging for this one too where it's like a hard box thing that's like a mirror on it it's like i don't know yeah i just find this movie really really fun and bizarre and at the end of the day you know disturbing in a sly unnerving kind of way i don't know it's just one of those movies that it was probably one of the movies that just surprised me the most last year and just feeling unlike anything else i'd seen that year kind of you know i'm gonna read a review that somebody wrote uh on letterbox i don't know how anyone can like this. well that's the thing i feel like people hate this movie like the people that don't like this movie really don't like this movie and i know when it was coming out there were a lot of people saying that it was kind of like a throwback to you know like polanski-esque paranoia type thrillers or whatever and then people were like this is nothing like that and i'm like i mean it's kind of is but it's also kind of not i don't think it's trying to you know self-consciously be exactly like you know a polanski apartment trilogy movie in as much as it's just like throwing a bunch of things at the wall and seeing what sticks in a kind of like really fun and exhilarating way i don't know so i had a lot of fun with this movie i mean yeah if you're easily offended this is probably not something that you're gonna is that how you're gonna say it hey if you're a snowflake (laughs) then you shouldn't check out the scary 61st you keep teeing me up with these i'm sorry i'm sorry um but you know i feel like you have to tell people sometimes that like i this is one of those movies that yeah i don't think it's for everyone and i wouldn't necessarily just recommend it like blindly to anybody but if you're in the mood for something weird and different and transgressive... Everything I've heard about the Red Scare podcast, I go, not for me. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, and let me be clear, by no means do I have any love for the Red Scare podcast or Dasha Necrosova's life beyond this movie. I mean, I just know her basically from this. I know her from... Are you a big fan of Succession? Oh, she's also in Wobble Palace? Yes, I've seen Wobble Palace. I like a lot. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. Uh, I like that director's movies, and I thought she was fun in that uh i've never seen an episode of succession so i have nothing to say there I think it's the other co-host that's a little bit more of the one that makes waves yeah from what i've seen yeah and i do i have issues with i mean i don't know the podcast that well but i've read about things they do and i know they kind of troll they troll the left as much as they troll the right and you know there's photos of them with alex jones races you know when you wade into those waters it can just kind of go in a bad direction and you know i saw their photo with posing with alex jones within the last couple months and it's like uh like you guys are taking this a little far now but i don't know i don't know what's is it right is it wrong who am i to say i don't know but do i like this movie did i think this represented something fresh and cool and interesting in a in you know a movie landscape that is increasingly like super boring and homogenized all right yeah, grandpa I did. we're moving on i like it all right <laughs> in this marvel universe where there's so many films all we talk about are these new films that come out you even said last week there's a whole new york wave that's i'm not even up. talking about marvel movies i'm just talking about like any kind of like even you know so-called like indie movies that play at sundance or something there's just like a homogenized kind of quality to a lot of stuff these days just buy every new movie being released by gold ninja video <laughs> that'll give you the shock that you need exactly right that's what you need to do that's so, all you gotta do we have another new movie coco d coco da uh, that's been released uh, from dark star did you watch this one i yeah. have not have you not seen this okay so yeah i saw this uh i saw this a couple years ago i saw this right before the pandemic started actually there was a screening of it in toronto in like february 2020 and this is a really cool um swedish danish sort of like psychological horror freak show about a couple who have dealt with a tragedy in their life and they're kind of going out into the woods for a camping trip and they encounter this like freakish group of like sideshow performers and then the whole the whole movie basically just replays the scene over and over and over again in different ways 
um, and just gets more hellishly frightening. In this uh, reality of homogenized cinema, you should check out Coco D. Coco <laughs> exactly. So this is part two of my yeah, dissertation on <laughs> attacks against homogenized cinema. Uh, um, but no, I really, really like this movie. Bizarre. It's kind of got like vibes of Antichrist in it. It's got, I don't know, it's got like Quentin Depew-esque kind of absurdist comedy here and there, but underneath it all, it is really unnerving and it's got a scene at the beginning where like, I don't want to spoil too much this couple, like you see them dealing with the tragedy that befalls them. That's just like so out of nowhere. And so like, I don't know, emotionally um, conveyed that it just like throws you off guard right at the beginning. And then the whole movie is just like a a nightmare. It, It gets a, good good feel of an actual nightmare on screen so it's taken a while for this to come out on disc uh and this is of course another vinegar syndrome partner label because they are now working with dark star who i'm a big fan of but yeah dark star had never put out a dvd of this before i guess they were just waiting for this to do this release um but this is this is great if you want offbeat horror movie i'm gonna recommend the next one if you want an offbeat horror film that's not the homogenized cinema that you're used to and that is resident evil welcome to raccoon (laughs) city i'm kidding this movie super underground stuff here not a big fan of this one even though when i was sitting in the uh, uh, cinema i'm like all right resident evil this new reboot that is clearly done with a budget impressed me and so i hear and i've not played resident evil one two three that a lot of this movie is shot by shot recreations of scenes from the game yeah that's what i uh, understand to be true i'm like i played resident evil a bit when i was younger but i wasn't like ever a hardcore player of it um but yeah they've basically cobbled together this story from basically the stories of at least the first two games Yeah, the first one which is them trapped in a mansion and the second one which is the city is being overrun by zombies. exactly and they bring all the signature characters back like jill valentine and leon kennedy and all these they should people. have committed to just being in that mansion yeah i because when you split it between both of them i think you get you don't get reach the heights that each story could have uh, yeah reached. i agree i i think I didn't hate this one as much as I was expecting I was going to. I actually was kind of... Because you're a Resident Evil, you know, sucker. I know. Because, you know, I'm... (laughs) I mean, I clearly like the Paul W. Sanderson movies better than this one. But... I felt like there was... I was actually going with this one for the first, like, 40 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, I was I with it was for the first 40 minutes, where it's, like, a, some fun setup, but then it just shits the bed. Yeah, it's got some good horror movie. I know. It's got some good horror movie vibes, though, at the beginning. I like the kind of like not usually like retro references kind of annoy me but i kind of like the 90s references like the use of that song touch with the flaming zombie walking in or stuff like that that. effect would have been great if it wasn't uh, all cgi but you're right i think in the last 45 minutes it just gets you know it's people walking people running through dark hallways and I don't know, like if they were trying to capture the sense of a first person shooter game or something where you're like Resident Evil, the first three, not first person shooter. No, games. they're not. They're not. But I know some of them are, though. Right. I played one that was. One uh, that, yeah, uh, it's one of the like offshoot ones is a first person shooter game. And actually, I believe isn't one that came out recently a first person shooter. I'm sorry, I don't have a PS5, so I haven't been able to play. Don't ask me about new video games. I know nothing. I had an okay time with this at times i mean it's directed by johannes roberts who has some flair you know i like the 47 meters down movies i'm not gonna lie they're fun i do yeah I do you like his strangers sequel no i didn't like that so much i like his shark movies and i like his some of his early stuff like really early like no budget stuff Wait, doesn't 47 meters down end with it was all a dream the first one the first yeah kind of uh well not really it it ends with one of those i mean spoiler alert like like the descent it's like the descent where she escapes but she doesn't really escape i actually find the second 47 meters down movie way more fun because it's about like blind sharks that have like uh basically evolved under the in like these caverns so they're like all and these people these like kids get trapped in these underwater caverns and have to deal with these blind sharks that was a lot more fun but um 
I don't know. This movie, it's got its moments. But you know what it does have? It's got Neil McDonough in there, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He's the villain. He turns into as the doctor, the villainous doctor who turns into the creature at the end. There was not enough of him, though. I, I liked him, but. And they fight on a train again. And I'm like, what, again? They do. Yeah. You know, the trains are very important to the Resident Evil universe. So I, guess. I can recommend the next movie wholeheartedly Slumber Party Massacre 2021. This is directed. Uh, in South Africa, which is where all these sci-fi style movies are made, um, by a Canadian, uh, Danishka Esterhazy, who I have sung the praises of before because she directed the Banana Splits yeah, movie. Yeah, I remember we talked about that when that And this one I found delightful. It kind of twists on its head what you expect the movie to be, and then it becomes something else. But it still delivers all the blood and the gore. And I heard this was a very difficult production. There's a commentary track on this Blu-ray because the director had to go to South Africa with no one else that she knew because it was during COVID and no one else could travel except for her. Damn. So it was a whole South African team, actors, not even the writer could come down. Oh, wow. So she was all on her own. But you wouldn't know it watching the movie. I've seen some people hate this movie. Uh, because they're like, oh, it twists what Slumber Party Massacre is. And I'm like, I don't get that perspective because this director loves slumber party massacre it is filled with some million references to it to the point that i would have never known unless i listened to the commentary track like uh whether it's a shot or just a piece of closing or a lamp like she loves these movies and it's all over this motion picture that's great no you should pick up the blu-ray as well because uh, if you're looking online to watch it a lot of the versions are the cut version that played on sci-fi and this is the uncut version ah, of interesting blu-ray. yeah i haven't seen this one yet but i definitely will somehow we still live in the world where uh, sci-fi edits their movies that they put on screen. Yeah, why? Why uh, exactly? Why? Like, why would anybody watch that then? <laughs> Don't know. But finally, it's uncut. Not a big fan that it has the same title as the original. They took out the the, so it's just Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, so it's like the Texas Chainsaw thing, right? <laughs> that is correct. That's the, that's the way to signal a new version. Uh, but I'm glad this is good because, you know, on first glance, I would assume something like this. It's like would... a Craven remake. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, and I really love the original Slumber Party Massacre series as well. So I'm glad that, you know, they've found somebody who actually has a passion for them and wants to continue that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It is a delight. So we also have, uh, we're moving into Mark territory. What is the last son of Redbox movie? The sure stamp of quality. Oh, there it is. I knew you'd like that. Yeah. And, you know, you look at this. So this is a, yeah, this is a Western, a oh, new Western no. which, you know, if you look at the cast, you got Sam Worthington, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane has to be in every new Western that comes out. Thomas Jane. Uh, Heather Graham is here. And also, more importantly, Machine Gun Kelly stars as the lead in this under his real name, Colson Baker. So this looks like, you know, a kind of typical bad VOD Western movie. But... It's directed by my man, Tim Sutton, who I really like, and who is actually more of like a kind of indie or art house type director. He made Funny Face, which we talked about when that came out on DVD last year, which is a really great film. He's made stuff like Dark Knight, Pavilion, uh, Memphis, really cool indie films over the last decade. And his new movie actually just played at Berlin, which also stars Machine Gun Kelly called Taurus, which is actually really good. It's kind of like a Last Days-esque sort of like Hollywood drug addict movie. But this one, I don't know how this came to be or how he got involved with this. I don't think he wrote this or anything, but uh, it's basically, you know, Sam Worthington plays like a vicious outlaw guy i know sam worthington as he always is now was a big bushy beard i know right and but you know what he plays a villainous kind of character well you know what everybody kind of plays a villain in this which is what i sort of liked about it and he's basically you know this villainous outlaw who's fathered children all over the country and everything and then he has a curse placed on him where he's told that one of his offspring is going to be responsible for his death so he basically is going throughout the whole country tracking down all of his like illegitimate kids and killing them off uh one of whom is machine gun kelly's character who is himself grown up to become a vicious bank robber type and so they kind of go mano y mano these two. And I don't know. I actually liked this movie more than you'd expect from something like this. But you hate Westerns. I know. And I don't even like Westerns. But, you know, it's beautifully shot. 
uh, for something that's like, you know, a red box production, it's got somewhat of a budget. Um, all the actors are really committed. I mean, I have, I have no love for Sam Worthington, but he's pretty decent in this. Uh, Thomas, Thomas, wait, Jane wait, wait, has this some... was meant to be distributed by neon. Yeah, So that's the weird thing. Like it is released by decal which is like neon's uh home video label basically but then it also very explicitly had the red box logos all over it so i don't know if this was supposed to be i think it got a brief theatrical release in the states last year but i don't know if this was supposed to kind of go wider it didn't really play any festivals or anything even though this director's movies always it very much looks on the surface to like any bad kind of vod movie that comes out here like every week but i don't know i Got to admit. I mean, they I, all start Thomas Jane. I know. I mean, then you see Thomas Jane there. It's like, I know what I'm getting myself in for. And when I looked at the director, I'm like, is this directed by like someone who does like Billy Zane films or something like that? Yeah, exactly. But no, he's actually like a legit director who I quite like. And yeah, I wouldn't say this is like one of his best films by any means. It definitely feels like a, like a work for hire kind of situation because I, I don't. He didn't write the script and I, I don't know who that is. But he directs the hell out of it and it looks beautiful. And I got to say the performances are pretty good from everybody. I'm going to switch this around a little bit because I want to end on a high, uh, Mark. So next up, speaking of films that are going to confuse people at Red Boxes, we got Abel Ferreira's Zeros and Ones. Oh, man. They're not just going to confuse people at Red Boxes. They're, it, this movie's confusing people at Bay Street Video, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, re- really? Are people coming in being like, what the hell is yeah, this? Yeah, I think people are renting this. Well, Zeros and Ones, of course, is the new Abel Ferrara film, which, you know, I quite quite enjoy have you seen this yet by the way i have not seen this one i watched the first five minutes and i'm like i like this and then i forgot to get back to it but i know what it is yeah like, you, you basically I know, know what it is. it's another in hit i mean abel ferrar has been insanely prolific during the pandemic and i would say this is probably his most pandemic-y kind of movie like the one that actually grapples with the state of the world working with ethan hawk for the first time working with Ethan. yeah i was looking at that i could have sworn they worked together at one point in the past but no they never have and you know that because the movie actually starts off with like an intro from ethan hawk talking about the movie what? which is part of the movie what yeah it's part of the movie it's not actually uh like a when i first watched this you think it's just like oh they've cropped on like the film festival zoom intro or something but no no it's part of the movie and you know it is because at the end they kind of circle back to it um but yeah it very much captures in a very surrealistic non-narrative kind of way what kind of the world feels like today under this guise of a story where ethan hawk is like a reporter type and he's uh looking for his twin brother who's gone missing and it's basically the world it was all shot in italy during lockdowns and he basically portrays it as like a war-torn kind of zone like any place uh, like it, it could be any place in the world and i don't know he just like he basically gets involved with all these shadowy agencies and figures, and you're not really sure. I, I mean, I admit I'm not really sure what's going on half the time in this movie, but it is just hypnotic. I would tell you that Abel probably does not know either. Yeah, well, you know what? Even Ethan Hawke in the weird, like, faux intro-outro thing even says at one point, I have no idea what's going on in this movie, but, like, I love that it's being made. And that's what I love about movies, you know, when you just don't know what's going on. Me too. I would love if this becomes the norm of the actors being like, "Ah, I don't know what this movie is, but I like it. And I hope you do too. Yeah. But I love being in it. Abel Ferrara to me is just such a vital artist right now in our, you know, in our world that I just, anything that he puts out, just like, it's got something to it. The problem is, like with a lot of Abel Ferrara's previous films, um, the company putting this out, which is Lionsgate in the States and VVS up here in Canada, are really marketing it like it's some action film. VOD action movie, which they kind of did with Siberia too, the Willem Dafoe one, which came out last year. They've done it in the past with like, I don't know if you ever remember seeing the covers for 444 Days on Earth when that came out here. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they make it look like an apocalypse. Well, I mean, it is an apocalypse film, but like a Roland Roland Emmerich one. Yeah, they make it look like it's like an asylum movie almost the way they have the cover. So this one kind of just has Ethan Hawke's face on the front, a lot of like war action and guns on it. And yeah, if you don't know, if you're just expecting like a standard kind of action-y type movie, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I know people have rented this and bought it and have been like, what did I just watch? So, I mean, if you're an Abel Ferrara fan, I'm sure you know what you're getting yourself into here. But, you know, (laughs) 
it's esoteric. Check out that Ethan Hawke movie where he has um, a bomb implanted in him. 24 Hours to Live if you want your Ethan Hawke action movie. Oh, you know movie. what? I've never seen that one. I heard that was fun, It's though. fun. Yeah. I finally watched okay, it. Okay, I gotta get I gotta catch up with that because I love me some Ethan Hawke. That's for sure. Uh, and he's great and in this movie. And I know what else Mark loves. Oh, what's that? It's Willis Watch. We got some new Bruce Willis films Times down the bus. It's a double Willis Watch hit here. I know. I'm seeing double for Bruce Willis's. Man, the Willis just never stops. And yeah. Well, Mark, these... I heard a rumor that maybe it's because he's suffering from dementia. I, I've heard that rumor too. Um, and I think Mark said it best. He's like, listen, I know someone who suffered from dementia that was very close to me, and she was not um, <laughs> making millions of dollars doing all these movies. That's the thing that that's all i've got to say i you know i posted at the end of last year a little like twitter thread of my rankings of bruce willis's movies and everything uh because you know i i watch all these movies and i just like i i just have fun with them i put it out there and then there were a lot of comments in the threads insinuating like oh bruce willis he has dementia though oh this is kind of mean though isn't it because it's bruce willis and i didn't even think i was being that harsh towards bruce willis but whatever in the months since i know there's been some articles written and the fact it's become getting out there a little more that maybe he does have dementia or is in the early Could stages it be of that it. his agents are forcing him to make these movies. Then that would be sad. That's the thing. I'm not sure why I should feel bad for this, though, even if he does have dementia, because who's forcing him to do these his movies? agents? And also, like, even if he does have dementia, he's still getting paid like millions of dollars to sit around and do nothing in movies. What is he going to do? Embarrass himself more? Like he's good. Yeah. Like what the, I don't understand. Like how is he embarrassing himself anymore? Like his performances just feel like an actor who's just signing, just showing up for a paycheck. Like so many actors do, right? You could say the same for anybody like John Travolta or John Cusack these days. But for Bruce, it's like, I don't know. It's hard for me to feel bad for celebrities. And yeah, like Justin said, my grandmother passed away from dementia last year. She had dementia, bad dementia for years. And she spent the last few years of her life in a horribly depressing nursing home and didn't get paid millions of dollars to sit around on movie sets. So sorry, Bruce. I don't feel that bad. Would you have felt bad if she had to show up for a day and she had to like act and she got a million no yeah. she would love it she would have loved it she would probably been more committed than bruce is <laughs> she in these would have been movies. into it she just wa- yeah exactly so i don't know i mean yeah obviously dementia is not good and if he's really suffering from dementia like that is an awful thing to go he should retire and, and let himself focus up but I don't then know. you know he's got family he's got i feel like bruce willis has a support system that can help him out that a lot of people who get dementia don't have yeah they probably I know, hate right? him though based on how many people hate bruce willis <laughs> yeah exactly and also let's not forget bruce willis has been what a notorious asshole for decades so um sorry i don't feel that bad for him but Back to the matter. But you love hand. these movies that just came out. Deadlock. So What's- yeah, dead. We've got Deadlock and Apex both out now. Um, and you know what? Both of these were probably two of my more liked Willis movies from last year. Uh, Deadlock. He plays the villain in it, which is a bit of a change of pace because usually he just plays like a supporting character for the hero like a sidekick character for the hero who just kind of sits around but here he's like actually the leader of like a mercenary group that takes control of a dam it's kind of like die hard but like at a day at a dam i'm looking at the director of deadlock his filmography and they seem like made up movies oh i know well he's done well he's done some bruce movies too before he directs like uh, in 2019 he directed one two three four and a three-episode <laughs> miniseries in one year. Yeah, this is Jared Kahn, right? Is that who you're looking at? Yeah, yeah. I'm I looking at Jared Kahn, yeah. Hold your breath. You know, Lifetime movies are big on his uh, resume here. And I think he's done some other Bruce movies or is going to. Oh, he's got some upcoming Bruce movies. So, you know, they just fold. They just bring these directors into the fold, you know, and 
then they just work work on Bruce movies for the rest of their careers. I oh guess. yeah, Vendetta is coming out. Oh, Thomas Jane is there again. Yeah, I gotta say, Jared Cohn though, he's writing these Bruce he Willis is, films. Which so. I mean, like, how long does it take to write one of these things though? <laughs> I feel like I could write one of these things by now. Oh man, you know what we should do? We should write a movie that's like an action film, but like we're waiting for Bruce Willis to show up. It's like a waiting for Godot <laughs> Actually, stuff. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's like a Bruce is just one of these, but he just doesn't show up ever. It's called starring Bruce Willis. <laughs> no, I'm gonna make a note of that. That's good that's a good idea anyways this one yeah it's this one co-stars patrick muldoon anyways so bruce you know and his group of mercenaries take over a dam because bruce's son was killed by some government agency or something i don't even know anymore and patrick muldoon has to save the day not great but bruce hams it up a bit more than usual as the villain which i gotta say was kind of entertaining so he seems like he's having a little bit more fun in this one the real vip this week is apex which was my favorite willis movie from last year um and by favorite i mean like it's it's like a solid like two star rating maybe out of five neil mcdonough but this one also co-stars neil mcdonough he's all over i think he's our i think he's our vip very special guest on the podcast here you know i Um, hear he has kind of conservative beliefs so maybe does he yeah that's a shame well you know i know i'm sorry i'm breaking it breaking it up for you. well you know my love for neil mcdonough goes so so deep that i i don't know if anything could he'd have to kill somebody at this point but uh he's fun in this he's probably the main reason to watch apex i mean bruce does his thing and he's like mostly blank and expressionless but i would say in like the one scene they do share together mcdonough and bruce he actually gets bruce to you know act a little more they actually you know i feel like when bruce gets around other actors who are maybe around his age or you know not like chad michael murray or something he maybe raises his game slightly just a little bit i don't know mainly the reason this is for to watch this is because of neil mcdonough otherwise it's basically just a futuristic most dangerous game riff where bruce willis is a criminal who's let loose in a game where you know rich people pay to hunt them down but you know what the director of and the director of this one is edward drake who is another one of these willis um willis directors he's the guy that dragged me on twitter for my bad review of cosmic sin yeah gasoline alley oh coming soon well that's the thing i'm hoping he gets wind that hey dude i don't i don't hate all your movies apex was a solid two out of five solid two out of five (laughs) two out of five (laughs) and you know what i have to give him some props though because it seems like this guy is a little more willing to play with the sort of self-aware humor of these bruce willis movies because bruce willis's character in this at one point they like because they bring up who this character is and his like you know that cliched scene where they're like oh he was a mercenary here and he was thrown in prison for this and that and they go through everything and all of the events are from bruce willis's actual previous movies so they reference like the die hard thing at like nakatomi plaza they reference the fact that he survived uh, a train crash like in unbreakable and there were a couple more i can't remember so they play around with it a little more than i would expect for a movie like this so i'm wondering are these bruce willis movies getting a little more self-aware is bruce trolling us a little bit here yeah i mean he's a comedy guy i've seen that bruno special so he's a comedy guy yeah. and i feel like he would have been aware i mean dementia or not but... can we talk about though that like bruce willis was really funny for a little while like you know those interviews where he wants to talk about what what does he want to talk about he's like not the pyramids it's something like that when he was doing press for uh witches of east uh no uh, death becomes her. Or death becomes her. You're right, right. Yeah, I remember watching that clip again when it got posted. He was really funny, and yeah, I remember the one I always remember was like a Conan interview he did, not even that long ago. I want to say it. Was oh yeah, like, where you see them like on green screens. Um, yeah, where basically he comes out. I can't even remember. I feel like it was for like Hostage or a movie like that, you know. And right away, you know, Conan's like, "Oh, you know, hey Bruce, how you doing?" And Bruce is like you know what, I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to do anything I don't want to do anymore. So I don't really want to be here for this interview. And then he just like walks off and him and Conan go on this weird green screen adventure. And it's actually really funny. And it really makes me sad that Bruce is, you know, A, apparently an asshole and B, you know, just either has dementia or doesn't care at all anymore so wait i I found a really funny article about neil mcdonough and his christian values and his refusal why are you continuing to ruin my life But this is a lot even back in his desperate housewife days really yeah he goes it was a horrible situation for me i would not (laughs) 
kiss a woman on screen. I am a very I'm not a religious zealot. I I'm I am very religious. I put God and family first and me second. That's what I live by. It was hard for a few years. When Mark Cheney, Cherry signed me, I said, "I'm sure you know, but I won't kiss anybody." Uh I think I'm trying to look here. It's like because these lips are meant for one woman. Oh, uh, ew, Neil. <laughs> I mean, I know you're trying to be all like, you know, upstanding and everything, but that's kind of gross, Neil. I, I didn't need to know that. I only kissed two people on the lips, my mother and my wife. Too much information, Neil. I don't need to know what you do with your wife, okay? Well, that's unfortunate, but you know, I still love Neil. And you know, we should finish things off real quick with, with an important update about neil mcdonough and the last movie of his we watched redstone which was last week's blind by that sequel boone it's coming out the trailer it's actually happening it's done it's happening there is a trailer he's in it he plays a character named boone again it looks like based on that trailer he may not be that much in it again well you know we thought he got killed off at the end of redstone and I don't think so. So when is this movie coming out, Mark? I mean, what, the trailer's out now. I'm sure it'll hit VOD, what, like a month from now. And then it'll be a Bay Street video, like, three weeks after that. So guess what? It'll probably be our blind buy that week. We're going to watch it. It's going to be blind buy, like, less than two months from now. All right. So until then, (laughs) my name's Justin McLean. And I'm Mark Keep on buying. Keep on renting. All the Neil McDonough stuff you can these movies and many more are available at your local video store. We said Neil McDonough last week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is just going to become the Neil McDonough podcast now. I don't, I don't care. Oh no, yeah, Mark, you can't kiss anyone else on the list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to Neil personally, and we're, we're gonna figure out his beliefs. We're gonna straighten him out. Straighten him out. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't kill me first.